0: What is going on, everybody? This is Matt Rinky, the founder of Illumination Wealth, coming back at you with another episode of the Owner's Equity Podcast. Today, I am very excited because not only do I have someone super talented and sharp, she happens to be a colleague of mine, Kathleen Boyd. Welcome to the Owner's Equity Podcast. I'm really happy to have you here.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me, Matt.
0: Yeah, of course. And for those of you that haven't had the privilege of meeting Kathleen at this point, uh, Kathleen has worked for Illumination Wealth for the past year. She is a certified financial planner. She's been on investment news 40 under 40 list. Uh, She is also a certified financial therapist candidate in this burgeoning and exciting field of financial therapy. And so today's conversation is very top of mind for a lot of people. It's goes very deep and uh, we're very excited to uh, bring some new uh, topics to light for all of you that are out there. And so uh, Kathleen's gonna be helping us dive into this conversation around racial justice in investing. And so, uh, Kat, Kathleen, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit. So this year has seen a lot of, you know, unraveling of social contracts that are in place in in america Um, the george floyd murder to what's happening in wisconsin and people are examining their value systems and how they allocate their hard-earned dollars and how they could you know make an impact in their communities across all races and for us being at a wealth management firm We're looking at things internally as well in terms of how we invest. And so, and who do we back when it comes to, you know, who do we support uh, in our communities? And so we thought we would talk a little bit deeper about this conversation today. And so perhaps you could introduce us a little bit about, you know, just what is out there when it comes to the financial services industry's role when it comes to racial justice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question, Matt. Um, Unfortunately, financial services has a very dark history um, when it comes to racism. Um, You can trace it all the way back to the history of a bond. Um, So the idea of risk management actually started with slavery. Mm. Um, Slave owners wanted a way to protect their assets. And at the time, black slaves, they were not perceived or looked at as human beings. They were looked at as property, mm. a, a property or an investment or an asset to protect, not a human being. Um, and so the idea of insurance first started with a slave owner wanting to insure the life of the, the life of their slave. Um, and at that back at the time, the slavery insurance market was very lucrative. Um, and it basically involved how insurance works now is the slave owner would pay a premium on that slave. And the event that that slave passed away, um, the insurance company would make a payout. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, insurance companies like New York Life, for example, AIG, among others, they have become Fortune 500 companies because of their role in slave insurance. Um, and the sad thing is they don't talk about it nowadays, they don't admit to it or own up to it, and none of them um, have made any strides into you know, trying to make recompense for it, um, which is really sad. Um, another way financial services um, has been involved in perpetuating racism, uh, we know with the racial wealth gap, uh, for example, Um, The average net worth of a white family, the Brookings Institute reports is about 117,000. For Blacks, for Black families, it's about 17,000. And a lot of that comes from things. Blacks, the people in the Black community were left out of wealth building activities such as home ownership due to redlining um, and other economic policies um that were racist yeah um, so yeah financial services plays a huge role um, in what we're seeing play out today
0: yeah it's incredible to think that the financial services industry was kind of built on the backbone of slavery it's just kind of mind-boggling to even like think about that and yep. you know the impact that the financial service industry has today like the broad-based reach Um, from just about you know it it involves in so many facets of people's lives as you said from insurance to their savings accounts to investing to mortgages to being able to get access to buying a home um, and knowing where the foundation of it started is just you know just baffling and so yeah you brought up some incredible points and knowing this this large you know wealth gap exists i know this is a you know a, a deep topic and there's a lot to a lot to unpack but you know if we were to think about ways in which we can move the needle when it comes to addressing this racial uh, injustice uh in the financial services industry do you feel like it it, it starts at with a certain type of company does it start at the insurance companies does it start internally at illumination well does it start How does making this difference, you know, start to bring racial justice in financial services?
1: Yeah, I think it starts with everyone. Um, It starts with local governments, it starts with state federal governments, it starts with companies, it starts with the individual person. Um, And I actually, I'm really interested in some of the moves the state of California is making. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, Matt, but last weekend, Um, the State Senate voted on a piece of legislation um, that would allow, uh, that would basically form a committee uh, to explore reparations for California residents um, who are descendants of slaves. And one of the ways they're gonna determine that is they're gonna tap life insurance companies. Mm. Um, They're gonna have them research their ledgers and find all of the past slave policies that they sold. So one way to, you know, hold these life insurance companies um, accountable for what they've done, which I think is a really great start. Um, And so, yeah, I'm a big proponent of reparations. I think, you know, because slavery had such a huge economic impact on Black people's ability to build wealth, I think it only makes sense that there's some kind of financial recompense for that. Um, I think another way that we can move towards justice and equality, it starts in the workplace um, as well. In you know, looking at companies' diversity inclusion policies um, and who they're hiring. Um, and not just who you're hiring, but are you creating environments where people of color within your firm can succeed? Uh, Are you paying them well? Are you paying them equally? Um, And then it also begins with the individual person. Um, We all have blind spots as I like to call it. I know that everyone would like to think that they are not racist, but the fact of the matter is we all grew up in a racist society. Um, Racism is baked in the fabric of our world today whether we know that or not whether we're conscious or not conscious of it and we've been socialized to think certain things even before we were born or even thought of Mm. Um, and so understanding how that affects you today um i think is critical
0: yeah absolutely and you mentioned you know, diversity and inclusion at, in the financial services industry, and just at, in companies at large, making sure it's there. I don't know if you you are aware of this. Uh, I just thought I would ask: do you, is is people are people of color more underrepresented in financial services industries than they are on average? Uh, do you know that? Do you have any knowledge around that?
1: Um, I don't have any specific statistics for the financial services industry. I know that we are underrepresented. When it comes to CFP, certified financial planners, for example, I do know the statistics on that, and I believe black and brown CFPs represent a total of 4.5% of total CFPs in the U.S., which is not a lot, No, which it's not a lot at all. Um, And so I think that's one of the, the CFP board's mission is to, you know, how do we increase the number of cfps how do we introduce the idea of having a career in wealth management and financial planning early on possibly in middle school and the high schools so they know that this is a really great career opportunity that is accessible to yeah, them
0: absolutely i mean i can only think of the difference that that could make knowing that this is out there and it's opening up uh, opportunities to more people of color to Help in the areas and in their communities that have been so disenfranchised in the past, and so um, really interesting. Yeah, I did not know it was sub five percent, but wow, what an opportunity to you know for the CFP board to help grow that, uh, which will help everybody. So no, thank you. That's an awesome share, fantastic share. And so you know, as we as a you know financial planning firm. Investments is a big part of the conversation. Investing is an important part of people's financial lives to help people reach their goals. And over the years, investing, people have started to think more about how do we invest in alignment with our values? And so over the last, I would call it decade, there's been a push towards ESG investing or socially responsible investing. Uh, ESG meaning like environmentally socially responsible you know, governance-related investments. And so, you know, Kathleen, can you share a little bit about what those investments are uh, so people can kind of know, hey, these are some of the opportunities to invest alongside of perhaps my values?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So ESG, as you mentioned, is an app for environmental, social, and governance, um, and it's a way to invest for people who are more socially justice-minded that allows you to screen out companies um, that aren't adhering to the ESG guidelines. So for example, with the E part of ESG, environmental, um, you would be looking for, the fund manager would be looking for companies specifically who are all about you know, climate change policies, Um, about reducing their carbon footprint and carbon intensity um, and things like that. For the social part, the S part of ESG, um, you would look for companies that um, basically are, for example, treating their employees well, Mm -hmm. uh, that have high employee engagement and low employee turnover. Um, They've got firm sexual harassment prevention policies in place Um, And they're huge proponents of diversity and inclusion. And then the G part of ESG, which is corporate governance, that relates to the board of directors and company oversight, um, as well as shareholder-friendly, management-centric attitudes. Um, How many women do you have on your corporate board? Um, How diverse is your management team? Um, Things like proxy access and such.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it's a a great, great background. And so with this ESG investing, people are able to eliminate the, you know, the companies that are not friendly to those causes that are not environmentally friendly, that might be an oil company, or it might be a tobacco company um, from their investment portfolios, and so that their money can be backing companies that, you know, that might be doing good for the greater good of, the planet and the population, and uh, and so you know we've seen kind of a a burgeoning of investment companies that are following ESG principles, that are rating uh, investment funds and how they're performing, rating companies in terms of you know how they're upholding ESG you know metrics and values, and so as we talk about you know r- you know racial justice, this seems to be. It seems it's a a new topic for people when it comes to investing, just due to what's gone on over the past, you know, this year in particular. And so it's a little bit different than ESG investing. And so, but it's also, you know, given rise to a new, not a new asset class per se, but a new way to invest. And so can you share a little bit about what investing for racial justice would look
1: like? Uh, Absolutely. So, I'm really excited about this. Racial justice investing has been sort of a relatively new concept that's just burgeoning. Um, And um, there's one major player in our field working on this. Her name is Rachel Roboscotti, and she's a fellow advisor who has her own firm in San Francisco. Um, And she's built this investment strategy that focuses on four intersectional issues. And that's racial justice, um, gender justice, economic justice, and climate justice. Mm. And so just digging a little deeper into what that really means with these four issues. So racial justice, for example, that means um, she's looking at companies who, and she's screening out companies that, for example, are involved in. funding private prisons. Um, Wells Fargo, for example, would be a company that would be screened out because they are notorious for providing money to corporations like GEO Group and other private prisons. And from an ethical standpoint, it's terrible because the profit incentive alignment is just terrible when you think about it. So she screens those type of companies out. She's screening for-profit colleges um, which are notorious for targeting low-income people of color, um, saddling them with high student loan debt, promising them high-paying jobs. Um, when the federal government has investigated these institutions and found that um, black people, black and brown people, are being saddled with debt, but they're not necessarily coming out of graduating out of these schools with good-paying jobs. Mm. Um, other things prison labor, money bell movement, um, occupied territories that has to do with um, the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinian people. Um, and in the decades long conflict about um, the Israelis and the Israeli military taking over or occupying land that was part of the Palestinian people. And so the fund would screen out companies who were operating in those occupied territories. So that would be companies like Airbnb or um, um, other like travel agencies. Uh, So uh, so other screenings, gender justice. So looking for companies that don't offer equal opportunity employment for women. They don't have strong sexual harassment policies. Mm. Um, They don't have LGBTQ equal employment opportunities. And then there's economic justice. So screening out the companies that are involved in predatory lending, like payday loans and subprime lending, um, companies profiting off of human slavery and child labor, Mm. um, companies that aren't protecting workers and their rights. And then climate justice, which is kind of similar to what ESG is doing in the E part. So looking at companies that you know are polluting, screening them out. Um, companies that are you know participating in fossil fuels, carbon emissions, um, and all of that.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. A lot of new things that people have the opportunity to consider. When they're investing and so i know this company that you mentioned you kind know, of fo- focuses on that are there ways for the individual investor to get access to i would say you know racial justice investing on its own are there any specific investment products uh, that are out there that help to ide- pre-identify some of these companies that are you know doing good in this area or is it really you kind of have to do the digging and homework yourself.
1: Yeah, I think at this point until uh, Rachel Robiscotti makes this strategy available more broadly, which that is her plan, um, the options out there are minimal and it requires you to do your own research and analysis. Yeah. There are ESG funds that kind of do some of this, but the issue with the ESG funds is a lot of them are index funds. Mm-hmm. and their primary goal is to hug an index to make sure they're following that index as much as possible but they're sprinkling esg on the top uh, and so when you're when your goal is to hug an index that means inherently you're going to have some of those problematic companies mixed in so the question is is it a true esg fund right? if it's an index fund
0: yeah
1: it's questionable
0: yeah yeah it doesn't really feel like it if that's no. if that's the case yeah yeah For sure, for sure. And so when you think about, you know, from your own knowledge and and research, are there any companies that are very, you know, are there any companies that stand out to you in the public markets that are very, you know, strong advocates for racial justice uh, that are, hey, these companies really, you know, they're leaders in the industry when it comes to racial justice. Mm -hmm. And they happen to be public companies with, stocks that people could go off and look
1: up and research? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I know that there are a lot of companies claiming to be, you know, social justice warriors and all about racial equity. Um, I'm refraining from promoting any particular company until I start seeing Some progress because we have a lot of companies out there right now who are putting out these statements saying "Black Lives Matter" and you know we support our Black employees yada yada yada. But a lot of these companies, when you look at the racial composition of their firms, it's extremely lacking. They don't have a lot of diversity, and especially when it comes to management and executive leadership. Um, So. I'm refraining from, you know, promoting any particular company until I personally start seeing some progress that I have not seen yet, Yeah, to be honest.
0: And, and how would an investor, you know, who's listening to this, who might pick, you know, look to invest in certain stocks, what would they be looking for to say this company is, you know, Is an ally for racial justice, and they are walking the walk and talking the talk. And is it something that they could glean from their, you know, their website, from you know, reading their ten Ks and ten Qs and investment reports? Like, where would somebody have to go to start to really see like this company is making a mark here?
1: Mm -hmm. You can certainly go to their website and look at the racial composition of their employees. Mm Are they talking about Black Lives Matter? Yet 90% of their employees are white. No. That's questionable. Um, I'd also look at their executive leadership. If that's not diverse, that's that's a problem. Um, I would also look at, you know, their customer base and how they market. Um, if they're not marketing to diverse communities, you know, that's also an issue.
0: Yeah. Certainly, certainly, yeah. So there are ways that you know anybody can really do their own scuttlebutt research and and figure out where they stand and and, and you know moving beyond just the talk uh, totally. to help figure that out. Absolutely. No, that's uh, yeah. I, I appreciate I appreciate hearing that. And so you know, if you were to be you know giving you know, to be going on to, the, on to this on to this journey, where do you think the opportunity stands for investors um, when it comes to racial justice investing, ESG investing? Is it, you know, people should be doing their own homework on individual companies or following the lead of some of these key firms like Robascati and other ESG firms? Do you think, you know, individuals are better off going you know, tackling it themselves or looking to their advisors for this type of support
1: yeah it dep- it all depends on the type of person and I do want to give respect to those who are the do-it-yourselfers yeah. they just like and prefer to invest on their own um, so that will of course require you to do your own research mm-hmm. um, there like I said before there aren't many existing funds right now that are focused on racial justice investing. Yep. Um, but if you can find something um, on your own, that is great. Ideally though, you would wanna work with the professional, someone who has experience um, with screening out these companies who knows what to look for, um, who knows how to you know, read their financials, read their annual reports, um, who really understands their industry and what they're trying to do. Um, I personally would leave it up to the professionals to do it. Yeah.
0: Good Understood. Understood. Now, you know, we've talked a little bit about ESG and benchmarks, and benchmarks are the indices. And indices might be the stock market and the S&P 500, and that, that indice grows at 9% per year, for example. How okay. you know, if you're a, a values-based investor, what decisions would you be making if you realized that the ESG funds that you invested in produce returns that were significantly less than the indices themselves? Do you think mm. you do anything to change your strategy, knowing that the non-ESG friendly companies are doing better, are performing more? Would that make you think differently about how you would invest your money?
1: Yeah, and I I know that that's a common concern about the ESG funds performing, um, not performing as well as their benchmarks. Um, But I encourage people to think about how they perceive returns. How do you define a return? From an investment standpoint is, did my money grow more than what I contributed to it, right? Um, from an ESG perspective, from a social justice perspective, from a racial justice perspective, I personally look at returns as also wanting to live in a better, safe, just world. And so I personally may be willing to give up some of that financial or investment return in order to live in a better world. That might be worth it to me. So I think it's, it's it's really up to the individual person to really define what a good return is and what that really means to them. It's not always financial.
0: Absolutely. No, I love hearing that. And I think that's part of what we do at Illumination Wealth. It's like, we want to make sure that we're getting the best return on our entire financial life. And it's not just the return on this investment uh, purely. That, that in and of itself might not allow you to sleep well at night. There might not be living, within your value system. And so how do we make sure that everything is tied together and the returns that we are getting help fulfill all of those things that matter most in our lives. So yeah, I appreciate how you articulated that and think about that. And I don't know whether ESG funds are outperforming or underperforming, but I do think that, you know, at some at some point, like maybe, they, maybe they're performing better and hopefully over time that those companies that are doing good have the ability to do better than the companies that, aren't doing good for the world and for you know humanity as a whole and hopefully the profitability and the returns start to move in that direction because i think that's what we all need and uh what will be better for everyone uh is to see that just that happening so uh that's great and so you mentioned a few few you know a few different companies you know as people go off and do some of their own homework uh any resources that you would share any things for people to check out any websites, books to read when it comes to investing in these, you know, uh, in this area?
1: Yeah, so one common question I get from people is, how can I help? How can I be, you know, part of the solution to these issues? Um, And I think there are some fantastic ways for folks to get involved. Uh, One is the Black Lives Matter organization. now I know like some of the more white right wing conservative media groups say that Black Lives Matter claim that they're a terrorist organization. Um, I personally know for a fact that they're not because I've been involved with the San Diego chapter of Black Lives Matter. And they're basically it's a it's a movement that was started by black women to advocate for nonviolent, Civil disobedience and protests against incidents of police brutality um, and racially motivated violence against black people. There are 16 chapters across the U.S, including here in San Diego, as I mentioned before. They organize protests, rallies, calls of actions, policies demand. Um, so definitely you can Google Black Lives Matter, see if you can find a chapter in your local area and ask how you can get involved. They're always looking for help. They're always looking for money and support. I think that's a really great place to start. Uh, Another organization is Color of Change. If you watch CNN, you know who Van Jones is. He is co-founder of Color of Change, which is a progressive nonprofit organization focused on civil rights advocacy here in the US. They're always looking for volunteers for financial support. Um, Campaign Zero is another nonprofit organization that is focused on research based policy solutions to end police brutality here in America. I highly recommend going on that site. There's also the National Bell Fund Network, and that's made up of over 60 community Bell and Bond funds across the country that provide money, Bell funds to free people who are protesting, who are fighting against abolishing the police and abolishing the money bell system. Um, I would also recommend checking out the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Uh, for those who don't know who Marsha P. Johnson was, she was a very prominent black transgender um, activist in the 60s and 70s. Um, and her institute is basically a nonprofit organization that does organizing, advocating, um, to help heal the and help heal the black communities. Because I don't know if you've heard of this saying, but they say that nobody is free until black trans women are free. Mm-hmm. And that's because often black transgender women are treated the worst out of everyone. Mm-hmm. So if you can help support black trans women, um, you're, you're supporting everyone. And then the last organization I would say is, um, called Support Black Owned SBO. Uh, It's a website that has all of the top black or African-American business directory, sorry, black, sorry, the best black African-American owned business directory offering Hmm. um, just businesses that cater to the black communities, businesses that are just making their communities in general better. And money that you spend in those for those businesses, all of that money is going directly back into the black communities.
0: Hmm. Wow, no, and excellent resources and organizations. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing those. Some of them not aware of, and uh, obviously can make a huge impact. So, and now I guess one other area that I think about, and perhaps you know, we're in the financial services industry. Are there any organizations that support financial literacy, um, economic independence uh, that people could get involved in or other financial service firms stand behind uh, as well? Uh, Are you aware of any?
1: Um, I am. So so there's an organization within our industry called the Financial Planning uh, Association. Um, It's an association of financial planners, estate planning attorneys, basically those that work in financial planning or wealth management industries, Um, and they have different chapters across um, the U.S., and each chapter typically organizes their own, you know, pro bono financial planning day, um, either a pro bono financial planning day event or um, they work with either companies that are organizing their own financial planning day. Um, so that is really strictly for financial planners mm-hmm. that want to get involved doing that work. Um, but your question is, if someone's a non-financial planner, if they want to yeah. get involved in yeah, financial having, literacy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I know here in San Diego, there's a financial literacy organization. I forgot the name of it. It's sure. Do you recall? Uh,
0: It's not not standing out to me, but yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I believe it's called the Financial Literacy Center. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they do work uh, around financial literacy for San Diegans. Um, So if you're interested in volunteering, um, that's an organization that I would recommend contacting. Um, I know that other organizations like the United Way, um, they have their own financial literacy programs. Um, So, really, just doing some research. I know there are a lot of these organizations, especially local ones, doing that kind of work if you're interested in getting involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, well, Kathleen, uh, thank you for the very powerful shares on this extremely important and timely topic. I know that we'll have more to discuss as we continue to grow as a company, as an industry, and I'd love to keep this conversation going with you. uh, as we move forward.
1: Looking forward to it as well. Thank you.
0: And where can people contact you? How can they get a hold of you, Kathleen?
1: Definitely send me an email. Uh, my email address is Kathleen at or you can call the office anytime, ask for me. Um, and happy to have a conversation with those who are interested.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, yeah, thank you again. Appreciate the dialogue. Pushing us always and all of us to grow. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing it again soon. Have a great day.
1: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Thank you.